Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer. It's been just over two months since the coronavirus pandemic shut down baseball as a whole. There's been some movement to get things started back up, but as of right now, it's a lot of proposals, still nothing official. One thing we do know is official is the draft will take place on June 10th, about three weeks from now. I should say the first day of the draft will take place on June 10th, three weeks from now. The second day will take place on June 11th. It will be a five-round draft, the shortest draft in history since the first draft in 1965. As a result, a lot of players who thought they were going to get drafted are not going to be drafted. But some of the players at the top of the draft that expected to go in those top two, three, four rounds are still going to get picked. And one of those players is Nick Garcia. Nick is one of the most unique prospects in this year's draft. He's a right-handed starter out of Chapman University, which is a small private school. They play in Division Three, located just about two miles from Angel Stadium in Orange County in Southern California. And Nick entered Chapman as a third baseman converted to the mound last year as a sophomore and blossomed into an elite closer. He helped carry Chapman to the Division Three World Series title, was named most outstanding player of the D3 College World Series, and started touching 98 miles an hour. He came out this year, moved into the rotation, and was one of the fastest rising pitchers in the country. Uh, he was showing 94 at the bottom of the zone, flashes of four pitches, throwing strikes, really elevated himself. Talking to scouts around the country, there were some who thought that he could sneak into the back of the first round. Most see him as a second round talent, and no one thinks he's going to get past the third round. Nick is kind enough to join us today to talk a little bit about his journey going from Division three third baseman to closer to starting pitcher. That's one of the top pitching prospects in the draft class and what a top draft prospect is doing right now. This is normally in time when guys are in the middle of conference play or in some cases conference tournaments. This is a time that scouts are typically meeting them in their homes, really getting to know them, digging in on the makeup. Instead, there's no games being played. Conversations are much more limited and a big adjustment for everyone. Nick, again, is kind enough to join us to discuss what he's doing right now and what the process looks like for him. Nick, how is a pitcher who is trying to stay ready for the draft and show teams that, hey, I'm worthy of a high pick, what are some of the things you're doing or, or can do in this situation? Yeah, so, I mean, it's all going back to just really staying as in good shape as you can, whether... Uh, it's going back to basics and just doing what you can with what you have. Um, and that's what I've kind of been doing. Uh, and that's, I mean, it's what it's going to work right now for me. And that's kind of just going to make the best of the situation we have. So take me through your daily routine. Are you going out and you're throwing bullpens? Are you in the weight room? What are you doing right now? Yeah, I've been able to actually, I've been lucky enough to be able to work out and stuff uh, at my house. We have a little gym set up, which has been nice. So we've been able to, uh, work out with my roommates down here uh, in Orange, uh, which has been really nice to stay in good shape uh, and then keeping my arm loose and healthy, just keeping it somewhat where it should be. Uh, I'm not trying to take too much time off. Uh, being so young with pitching, I don't really want to lose too much that I've built up over the past year and a half uh, now, so really just trying to stay with it as much as I can, but I uh, kind of appreciate this time off to make sure I'm healthy. Uh, just keep working on the body, get it to a better place, so that when baseball does come back, we can uh, keep taking steps forward. Normally, as a draft prospect, right now you'd be pitching in front of a dozen, two dozen, three dozen scouts at games. They'd be coming over to your house, talking to you in person, trying to get to know you. Obviously, none of that is happening right now. Games are shut down, and scouts have been prohibited from meeting with a lot of prospects in person. What are some of the things you're doing to interact with teams? Is it phone calls? Are you sending them video? What's that process like right now? It's been a mixture of things. There's been phone calls, uh, FaceTime, Zoom calls. Uh, they're still getting their ways to contact us and uh, 
just like everything else, you're just making do with what's going on. And it's definitely a little bit different of a scenario, but uh, you still got to go through the process and get these teams to, you know, create a relationship and have them understand who you are. And so uh, that's what we've been doing. And uh, I mean, I'm appreciative for all the opportunities I get to speak with teams and them to get to know who I am. As someone who was a little bit of a, a later burst onto the scene, you were known last year. You were the Division Three College World Series most outstanding player. But this year you moved into the rotation and the interest in you really, really spiked. How many phone calls a day are you getting? Because a lot of these teams have a, have a shorter track record with you than they do with maybe a guy who's in the SEC or the Pac-12. Yeah, no, it's been a good amount so far. I mean, uh, like you said, it's kind of been a little bit – I've been come on pretty late here and uh, that sparked a lot of teams' interest. And, you know, every time I get the opportunity to talk to somebody, I appreciate it. That means that I'm doing all my work's paying off and – I continue to have a lot of work to do and a, a lot of things to progress in, but uh, that's the goal here is to keep progressing so that down the line I get to where I want to be. And this is all just part of the process. So just taking everything one step at a time and really just taking every step I can and advantage of every moment I can to get better. And um, hopefully that all just pays off and I end up in a great place where I can really take on the challenges that are coming forward to me and become the player I want to become. Would you say, how often are teams reaching out to you, talking to, you know, one team a day or getting talking to two people a day? What's the ratio right now? Uh, it's been every couple of days, I'd say. Uh, somebody reaches out. Uh, it's hard to really keep track of things, but I'd say it's one every couple of days or something like that. Yeah, it's definitely hard to keep track of the days, especially as a player where you would know, all right, I'm, I'm starting on Fridays, we have midweek games, and now it just seems like everything's a little bit of a blur. Yeah, exactly. It's... You try to do your best and staying on a routine and a schedule. And I feel like the beginning, that was a little rough because you're, you don't really know what to do. Everybody's just kind of, nobody's been in the situation before, but now I've luckily been able to get to that routine of going through my weeks and getting my work in and really taking advantage of this time mentally to, you know, usually right now we're in playoff baseball, we're finishing up school, so you get a lot going on, but I mean, in a different like light, this is a good opportunity to really reflect on things, build on, uh, your, your side mentally and really just keep developing the body hopefully to get yourself in a good spot so when things come back you can take those next steps you mentioned the gym in your house do you have access to a mound anywhere are you allowed uh, out to your team facilities on campus or is everything shut down we actually kind of uh we have an indoor hitting facility uh, on campus and there was a, a we had an indoor mount there uh and our coach let us borrow it uh, in our backyard actually and i live with my catcher from chopping down here so We've been able to do some backyard bullpens and stuff and uh, keep things moving and get the feel of things and just make sure that staying in uh, feels of uh, everything that I've been working on. That's pretty funny. So you guys took the mound, counted out 60 feet, 6 inches in your backyard and set it up? Yeah, that's about that's about it. It's pretty <laughs> funny when you watch it. You could, we live in a street right behind us and when you're standing on the mound, people are looking at you and they're like, what the hell's going on back there? <laughs> No, it's also very, very convenient that you live with your catcher, because that was going to be my next question. Obviously, there's a lot of social distancing rules out there, but since you guys are in the same household, it seems like everything's pretty straightforward. Yeah, exactly. Do you have any other roommates around? You can get them to stand in the box at all? I actually have had. I live with uh, five other guys on my team at Chapman. Uh, I think four, it's four of us are uh, in the house right now, or five of us in the house, and so... Uh, Whenever I need one, I just haul her up to upstairs and they'll come out, put a helmet on and stand in for me. So it's actually quite funny. 
Hey, you got to make the do with uh, with what you got. That's awesome that you've been able to figure it all out. In terms of, um, you know, there's always a lot, There's there's been a lot of restrictions on what teams can look at, what data they can look at. They obviously have video and data from before the shutdown, but then there was a dead period. Have you been sending them video of your bullpens in your backyard? Uh, no, I've just been really, not really trying to push it to 100% because I feel like there's real no need for that because it appears baseball isn't going to be coming back in the next two, three weeks. Uh, so I'm just trying to stay healthy, keep my arm uh, 75, 80%, uh, just making sure everything's moving good, efficiently, and healthy and clean and that's that's i'm happy with that and i'm just going to keep doing that and keep moving around so and obviously all this is happening you still have school you still have classes so everything's going online how difficult has it been to manage hey teams want to talk to you on zoom or a phone call but you know, you've got a class going on what's that challenge been like Cause it's very different when you have in-person classes and the schedule just kind of gets thrown off yeah, it's definitely a little different. Uh, it hasn't been too bad because they're able to work around schedules to a little bit, and I only have a class Monday to Thursday. Um, and so it's really not – it hasn't been too much of a burden on either side. I feel like everybody kind of works together, and everybody make, is making everything work right now. Obviously, this spring, your name was popping up a lot. You saw the interest tick up. We were hearing the interest tick up. I'm sure you envisioned this process going a certain way, and then obviously the coronavirus pandemic kind of exploded. Everything shut down. How different is this from what you envisioned just in terms of, because I think we all have this vision of, okay, it's my draft year. This is how it's going to go. I'm super excited. And then this kind of steps in and blows everything up. Yeah, it's definitely been an experience, but I mean, nothing in my, really in my life in baseball has really come very straightforward like that, coming from being a, uh, transferring from third to the mound, I mean, everything every year seems like it's moving, you just got to adjust on the fly, and so it's just another little hiccup in the road, but you're just going to keep moving forward and take what you can out of it, I mean, everything happens for a believer, uh, happens for a reason, and I'm a big believer in that, so uh, just going to keep trusting whatever's going on, and when I get the chance to get back out there, I'm going to do what I can. Yeah, you know, you mentioned nothing ever really going in a straight line for you, and you're right, that's definitely been a theme of your career. You've definitely had a really interesting background. You're from the Bay Area, uh, went to high school up there, San Carlos, came down to Chapman, which, again, Division three school in Southern California. A lot of times it's local kids that go to Chapman. How did you end up going there from NorCal? Yeah, I didn't have too many opportunities really out of high school uh, at those Division one schools, uh, and I was a pretty pretty good academic student, so I felt Chapman was a really good fit academically, and I knew the baseball program was uh, had a great history, and I visited the campus, and it was kind of just somewhere that I thought I was going to fit, and that was the biggest thing for me. It was somewhere I could grow and get the opportunities to play uh, and really see what I had as a baseball player, and it really, everything just worked out. I mean, I think we honestly have one of the best pitching coaches in the country, uh, and little did I know that coming in, but he's pushed me a long, long ways. And I don't know if anywhere else I would be where I'm at today without what he's done for me. Um, and this program here from when I came on campus my freshman year, just the, the guys that produce the culture here. I mean, it's a really player-driven program. Uh, not to say that our skip doesn't work hard and he's a great game manager and does a lot of great things for the program, but it really is within itself and that guys really take upon themselves to want to win and build the culture of of great and want to leave things bigger than who we are here. When I stepped on campus and I felt that, that was just something I wanted to build on. And, um, being here for two and a half years, I really hope I left that mark 
um, that guys left for me when I was young. You entered school as a third baseman. You appeared in 24 games as a freshman, hit 268. Solid for a freshman, to be sure. Take us through that transition. You moved to the mound before your sophomore year, blossomed into the Chapman closer, and ultimately had one of the best seasons in college baseball in any division and capped it off by winning the College World Series Most Outstanding Player and helping Chapman win the D3 National Championship. But how did that transition come up? Who recommended it? What was that process? In high school, I was a, I was a two-way guy in high school for the most part. I, didn't, I think I threw 12, 14 innings. Uh, so I knew I had, I was came in as a two-way guy. They knew I'd throw off the mound a little bit. Uh, but that freshman year, our three starting pitchers we had in our, ro- our weekend rotation uh, are actually all in professional baseball now. Uh, so they were kind of like, go learn that spot at third. And uh, I played a good amount at third. And um, as the year went on, I kind of was just, you know, itching to get out there because I saw what they were doing, but I felt that I could, I could match them. Um, then we lost in the regionals that year, um, which I wasn't even on the active roster as we traveled. I couldn't even play when I was up there, and that was killing me. So that was just another aspect that was really feeding me to want to see what I had. Uh, and I went into summer ball after my freshman year, through a little bit. Things started to be piqued my interest on my own side. I was like, wow, I, don't, I feel like I got a little bit here, and then came back that fall. And it was one of the first inner squads I threw. It was just like, I don't it, it's a feeling, it was a feeling unlike really anything I'd ever felt in my life where it was just like, this is, this is where it is. This is where I belong. This is something I could dominate at. Um, and it took about one week, me and Skip met and we kind of just looked at each other and were like, this is, this is something more that's best for the team. Uh, this is going to help us win a lot of games and this is going to help you to see how good you could be as a ball player. Um, and kind of all from there, it kind of just, the confidence started to build uh, a base of just, all my mechanics on the mound that fall and then as the year went on everything just I don't know how to describe it really that year was just very real and that that team was unreal and every moment that we went through I felt like I was growing in every outing um it just kind of really built up for me that year yeah in the fall you mentioned got back on the mound how did you end up in the bullpen to start it was just the best option for us. We had three, all of our weekend guys last year were seniors. So they had a lot of experience on the mound um, that I didn't have. Uh, obviously, I, if we go, I was probably pushing at the bit last year to really, yeah, I can, I can, I can get a start in there. I can get a start in there. But um, it just really fit for me to finish games off. I had a really good ability to come back on short rest, uh, back-to-back days, um, close games out. And that really was huge for us down the stretch. Um, where maybe our starters couldn't have done that as well as I could. And, um, it really just put a, put a really good mindset in my head. Being a closer, you have to come out there and just dominate with pure electric stuff, and that's what I did. I came out there, and I wanted to instill fear into the other team that they had no match, and the game was all of a sudden going from nine innings to seven innings. Um, as the year went on, I, it really the team started to play for seven innings rather than nine because they knew if they got there and we were ahead, Come the seventh, eighth inning, it was it was over, and they had to play for less of a game, and that was really huge for us um, because when we had the starting pitching that we did and the defense that we had last year, it really just it clicked as a whole for our uh, for our team. You certainly made it lights out game over last year. You were nine and zero, 
0.64 ERA, 12 saves, 82 strikeouts while allowing four runs the whole year. Once the postseason came, he took it up to another level. Again, one most outstanding player of the College World Series. Really, I mean, shut everyone down. Two scoreless innings, three scoreless innings. It seems like you're able to give your team some length, especially at the biggest moments in the biggest games. Yeah, that's exactly. When it came down to the end of the year, I wanted the ball no matter what the situation was. Um, I didn't really care how my body was feeling. I didn't care uh, how the ball was coming out of my hand. I knew that if I had the ball, I was going to get the outs that we needed and put our team in the best possible best possible position to win. Um, and that's really the mindset you have to have as a closer um, going day to day. During that season, you touched 98 miles an hour for the first time. Prior to that, what was the highest velo you had touched, and just how shocking was it to see that number come up on a radar gun? It was really an accumulation over that year. I mean, I the first time I t- stepped off the mound, I was I hit 90, and that was like, oh, that's cool. And then throughout the fall, I gained one mile an hour, gained two miles an hour, and then first game comes spring, I hit my first 93. Then the next weekend, I was up to 94. And then the weekend after, I had my first 96. And then two weeks later, I popped my first 98. It was just kind of like, that's when I knew things were starting to just really click. And um, my body was moving better. I was moving a little more efficiently, um, getting stronger. And that's just kind of like an accumulation of all the work that was put in and all the adjustments that were made. Um, So obviously, it was pretty, it's cool to see. It's a really cool thing to accomplish. But um, it was more important just to get to where I wanted to be off the mound and do what I had to do for the team. And that made everything a lot easier when you're able to do that against the hitters that I faced. Uh, It made things a lot more challenging. I mean, it came pretty quick. Again, you mentioned you stepped on the mound in the fall through 90 miles an hour, first time back on the mound after some time off. Six, seven months later, you're Division Three national champion in the dog pile celebrating with your team and being named College World Series most outstanding player. I mean, was that a blur, just thinking about how quickly that all kind of happened? Absolutely. I'm still not sure. I really remember. We remember what, what happened at all. Um, I just knew all of a sudden it was a pretty good – we had a pretty good regular season. Uh, the second-to-last regular season series, I know, was not a great weekend for us. We just – I think we won the series. We weren't playing great as a, as a unit. Um, and then conference tournament hit, and then all of a sudden things just – that weekend rolled. Um we absolutely dominated, and then we played our regional game. We played a five-game series against Whitman that was unreal, um, and then things just started to carry for us. Um, we battled and battled and battled and really just followed. I mean, pitching and defense won us that national championship, not to say that our offense didn't carry us. I mean, we had a lot of great players that came through in very clutch times for us, but um, it just goes back to that old saying that pitching and defense does win, and that's what I don't even know what happened a lot of times. If you were to go back and watch it, I just probably couldn't tell you what happened at what situation. I just know that we battled in every single moment we could. And when you do that, you put yourself in a good opportunity to win. And that's what we did. And at the end of the day, things fell our way and we won the national championship. So, What was your reaction when they uh, announced that you were the most outstanding player in the College World Series, especially given how far you'd come and how short of a time? I mean, it wasn't really that. It was more of just a cohesive unit. I mean, there were so many players that stepped up um, in that World Series that did things that everybody deserved. Our whole team deserved to be awarded, and we did. We were the national champions. And 
I just did what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to come in and get out, um, close games out, and that's what I did that weekend. We had plenty of other guys that stepped up and did what they needed to do to help us win, whether it was a role player, um, whether it was a guy that was in the starting lineup. Everybody that those, whatever it was, five days and seven or eight games that we played um, stepped up when we needed them to. I mean, we went to the loser's bracket after game one. We lost our second game there, and we had the battle. Um so when you're playing that many games in that amount of days, it doesn't come down to one person. Uh, what I did was what I was supposed to do, but it was the guys who had to step up that was most impressive. Yeah, you mentioned you guys lost that uh, that game, went into loser's bracket, and then reeled off five straight wins to win the national title. It truly was a, a really impressive run. Yeah, I still don't – me and my catcher roomed at the World Series and as the days went on, it was kind of like we just got into our routines there, and then all of a sudden, before we know it, we just won that game to get to that national championship series. And I think we went to bed that night. We, we'd always we'd been in this together since my freshman year. We pushed each other. Um, we kind of looked at each other like, are we really playing for the national championship tomorrow? Um, it was just a surreal moment, which like you, you dream of working that hard. You do all this preparation to get where you want to be. Um, but to be honest, it was that day didn't really matter as much as that all the work we put in had really it felt that it paid off more than just the game. It, the relationships that we built as a team, just everything had really come to fruition, and then that day just happened. Um, I just remember I pitched that morning game, uh, and we played the doublehead the second game later, and I was I was unable to pitch in that afternoon game, and that was the first game that year that I was I couldn't have thrown. So I put on my jacket and I. I was charting for the first time, and I, I didn't move from the chart for nine innings, and we were getting no hit, I think, for six innings, six-plus innings, we were getting no hit. Um, and then a couple balls went our way, and then before you know it, we're up 9 nothing, and we get a line out to win the national championship on the first pitch. And I, don't, I still don't know what happened. It was a blur, um, and it was just an amazing feeling. You came in this year moving to the rotation. Take us through that process. What was that conversation like with your coaches and also yourself knowing that you had a chance? You were on draft radars. I remember hearing your name for the first time last year around the D3 College World Series as a guy to watch for next year, now this year. How did that transition from the bullpen to the rotation happen? That was pretty pretty natural, I feel, for me. Um, it was just building up the ability to throw for six, seven innings. Um, and that came up a lot of little stuff and refining uh, mechanics, making myself move more efficient, uh, just making things easier on me, making my off-speed stuff more consistent. Uh, a lot of that came from my experience in the Cape that last summer, uh, facing those hitters that I'd never faced before in my life, and that, that really threw me against the wall. And when you get thrown against something like that, you really have to the, – those fight-or-flight senses kick in. and. Um, it took me a little couple weeks here and there of failure than success, taking a step forward, taking a step back, but that really helped me learn a lot really quickly that I probably would not have done if I wasn't given that opportunity. And I'm very thankful for Coach Nicholson and Orleans and what he did uh, for allowing me there to experience all that because that experience project, uh, threw me into the fall in which I then learned so much this past fall in my body and how to move. Um, with Dave Edwards, our pitching coach, just really helped me refine a lot of things coming into the spring. And um, as soon as the spring hit, it got back into the mentality of, I'm just going to go dominate. Um, 
And it doesn't matter if I'm facing the best hitter from the SEC or the best hitter in our conference. I'm going to go do what I can. Um, and that doesn't matter. My goal this year was to be the best pitcher that I could be, regardless of Division Three, Division Two, Division One. I. I wanted to go out there and dominate and show to the country that I'm a great pitcher, not just some Division Three guy that, that got through it and can have success at that level. I want to have success at a, a much larger scale. How much did pitching in the Cape Cod League give you the belief that you could do that? You mentioned last year going out there after a long run into the College World Series. You know, you were tired. You had pitched a lot deeper than a lot of the guys you were facing. And you went out and held your own. Had a 3-1-7 ERA. You know, held your own against some of the, the best players college baseball had to offer at the D1 level. How much did that build your confidence? That was huge for me. I mean, I went out there uh, after throwing a lot in our postseason. Uh, but every t- chance I was... Coach Nicholson gave me the chance to throw. I wanted the ball. Um, I knew that regardless of how I felt out there, um, if I could go out there not at my best against those hitter, those hitters uh, and find ways to get be successful, uh, that was really going to help me later on in my career. Um, and so every time they gave me the opportunity, I wanted the ball. And there was days I felt good. There was days I didn't feel good. Um, there was a lot of learning, a lot of adjustments that I made throughout that whole summer. Um, if you split it in half, that whole first month, I was making so many adjustments, learning how to be a pitcher, uh, coming off of so many innings that last month of the World Series. Um, but that was all huge for me because as soon as I started to make the adjustments I needed to, um, the confidence started to build. And that's a huge part of playing against good competition is building confidence. Um, and that really happened for me as the months went on. And uh, it just really started to click for me again, and I got more of that feeling and then kicking the ball when you don't feel good. And now with how I felt this past spring and just being able to get some time off and uh, start building the body again, I feel like when I go back to face competition at that level again, I'm going to have success, more success because I had the chance to face them. I wasn't at my best, so I understand how to get through innings and get outs when I'm not feeling as good. You know, it's funny, going back and looking at your game logs, your first outing in the Cape Cod League gave up two hits, a walk, and a run. Next time out, you took the L. It was a little bit of a rocky start, but after that, you really buckled in, gave up only one run in your next six appearances. Yeah, no, I always, that first game I went out there, they walked it off against me. I think it was in Bourne, um, and that was a moment that really stood out to me because that was the first time I'd ever lost on the mound. Uh, before that, I never remember taking a loss and that was one of the probably the worst feelings I ever had um and that whole bus ride home uh that was just something that kind of really set me straight I feel like if I got through that outing got through with what I did that day being sloppy uh, maybe I don't work as hard to you know I think my stuff can get me through other games and I make mistakes and I keep getting lucky but that day really set, set me straight and born and got me on a good path to keep working and keep um developing stuff and not letting myself feel complacent. Yeah, after that, again, you were pretty lights out the rest of the way in the Cape Cod League. And and moving into the summer you mentioned, you took the confidence, you took everything you had built, you really built yourself up, came out this year, and the stuff looked great. You're off to a really, really nice start. Once you got out there, because, again, it's one thing you mentioned to have that mentality of blowing it out. You have one inning, two innings. Sometimes for you, you went three innings and just trying to finish games. But going out as a starter, knowing you need to last five, six, seven innings, it's an entirely different mentality. How was that adjustment and how did you manage it? That was definitely something that, I mean, the only way you can develop that those understandings is by going through it. Um, 
and I really trusted the process that we put in place for me throughout January to get myself there. Um, and each game, it was I felt better and better with it. It was finding just your mentality of how to get through the first inning, how to attack hitters. Um, it's so it's a lot different being a starting pitcher than a coming in out of the bullpen, and that's something that. I, you think you can understand, but really there's no way to develop that feeling and understand how to become a starting pitcher without going through those uh, those days. And From start to start, all five of them I had this year, I mean, each one I learned something new and I took it to the next one, um, which was a great feeling because you get to, I got to learn so fast, I feel. I got to take things in and I experienced such a wide variety of feelings, whether it's going from a great day to a bad day, you've got to take something out of each of them. Um, and I wish, you know, I mean, everything happens for a reason, but I really feel like I would have kept on learning this year and a lot of things would have kept on developing for me. But uh, I really am grateful for all those starts I got this year and uh, the team that we had because um, I feel like it would have kept on really developing for me more and more. When did you notice an uptick in the number of scouts at your starts? Because, again, you were someone that people knew. You came in this year as definitely a Division three guy to watch. You were on radars, but within a couple weeks, I started hearing your name. is like, hey, this guy's going to go high potentially in the draft. When did you notice that uptick from a couple scouts to games where you had 30 or 40 scouts watching you and some of them, you know, national cross-checkers? Yeah, I mean, I really try to zone those things out as much as you can. Um but at our park, I mean, it kind of takes over your whole backstop when it's covered with that many guys. So, I mean, the first couple of times in the fall, we had, I had probably a good amount of guys. And then that was kind of like, I remember the first time I took the ball in the fall, I had him thrown off a mound probably six, seven weeks. And there's 20, 25 guys behind there. And I was kind of like, oh, I got to throw the baseball. And um, so it was really a learning experience. That's another one of those things that you can't control it. So you're just going to go out there and do your thing. And it was another one of those you got to react fast and you just got to go with it. And so, I mean, after one week, you kind of just got to take it in and then go with it. And that's the, that's the new norm. And so, um, as soon as I felt more comfortable with it, it's, I can't control anything other than what I can do out there. And, um, I'm going to prep myself to go out there and do as good as I can. Every time I get the ball, that's the mentality I held. And it didn't matter who was behind home plate or who's watching. It's, I'm going to go dominate and help my team win. Absolutely. You did a lot of that this year. One of the more interesting games was you guys had a road trip, faced East Texas Baptist. You were out in Texas and had a start of six innings and 12 punch outs. Came back the next week to face Laverne at home and delivered six scoreless with five strikeouts as well. It seemed like things were really starting to solidify for you a little. I mean, did you start to feel that once the spring hit, you were doing it in regular season games, that everything was kind of coming together? Yeah, definitely. It just goes back to getting comfortable and what I was doing and um, just taking learning experiences from each and every start into the next one and then just feeling that start out because every start is going to be different. Every team you're going to face is going to be different. Um, so just battling through the order, understanding how my stuff plays against certain uh, hitters, um, how my stuff plays inning to inning. Uh, but the biggest thing for me was just going out there. And, I mean, being the Friday guy, you have to go out there and set the tone for a weekend. Um and being a guy that wanted to really lead this program in a great direction, that's what I wanted to do. I want to go out there and set the tone um, for the rest of our weekend uh, for the other team to know that we were going to come out there and we were going to beat them three times. And um, That's what my goal was every time I took the ball. So March 9th, go out, five innings, one hit, no runs, nine strikeouts, fantastic start. 
everything's feeling good and within a week season is shut down and eventually canceled what was that like for you both from the perspective of you're the defending d3 national champions and you wanted to go back and win it again but also knowing for you that you personally were experiencing a lot of interest this year and all of a sudden it was kind of taken away from you yeah i mean i still don't know what happened really um i remember starting to hear some rumblings. I know another Division three university in the middle of the country, or it was, I think in Maine, possibly canceled their season. And we were all kind of like, oh, that's a big reaction or whatever. Um, going to that Monday game, I knew I had the ball. and I just come off not my best start, first Cal Lutheran, and I really wanted to go out there and solidify myself and bounce back hard. And I felt possibly the best I ever had on the mound that day. And um, then come that Wednesday practice, we get a text from our coach saying, like, come to the field. Like, we're not going to be practicing really, but I want to meet with everybody. Um, and that was just a very uneasy feeling. But, I mean, you can't really control much uh, when it comes to this, what's going on. So it was that whole day with shock. Um, I remember just walking around the field that day, just like, this could be the last time I, I like, wear this, these clothes, these, this hat. I mean, I really wanted to finish uh, my time here in career at Chapman being one of the only two-time national champions. Um, it's something that I set out to do and to really change the help develop this culture of this program into something bigger than myself. And I thought that was one way to really put it in a great, put it in a great path of success and uh, not being able to do that really hurt. Um, but I mean, everybody was put in the same position. So it's really uncontrollable and you just got to really move through it with what you can. This is normally a very, very exciting time. Do you still feel that excitement knowing that the day is coming, but also just disappointment knowing that you're not out there pitching right now for your team? Yeah, there's definitely, I know it's, we're looking back at the memories from last year and we see this weekend would be conference tournament next weekend's regional or whatever it is, but that kind of stings and kind of hurts because you miss being out there with the guys. But um, I'm just excited. I mean, obviously still excited for everything that's happening and you know when the day comes i really hope that my name's called at some point and that's all i can control i can't control any other thing than just what i did in the past and um i felt like i put myself in a great position i showed very well for uh what i can do um and that's about all i can control and you know if it happens it happens i'll be really happy and i'm gonna keep working um keep being who i am and push myself as hard as i can Absolutely. Well, we look forward to seeing where you go as well in the draft and seeing you get on your way with your pro career as well. Nick, thank you so much for joining us and uh, sharing your experiences and your story with us. Well, thank you for having me on. Once again, that was Nick Garcia, right-handed pitching prospect out of Chapman, one of the best Division Three prospects to really come out in some time, has a chance to be the highest-drafted Division Three player since Jordan Zimmerman was drafted in the second round of 2007. And we obviously know that one worked out pretty well. Be very, very interesting to see where Nick goes in the draft this year. And we appreciate him coming on to share his story with us, as well as let us know what this is like for a draft prospect who knows he's going to get picked, but still trying to make his case to be picked high with teams. This has been another edition of the Baseball America podcast. If you enjoyed it, go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. Now is a great time to subscribe to Baseball America as well with the draft coming up. We just released our draft preview issue, over 100 pages of pure draft content. Great stuff all around, all the information you need to know. So go ahead and visit the sign-up page available on our website, BaseballAmerica.com. This has been another edition of the Baseball America podcast. For Nick Garcia, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay safe.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.